definitely happy Resurrection Sunday. We don't only celebrate today, but we celebrate every day, amen, because we are grateful for what God has done, is doing, and will continue to do in our lives, amen. Well, it's good to be uh, back here. Um, last night, Jonathan was reminding me that it was 2011, that was my first time that I uh, came to Hobbs, and Ever since I met the Senna family, um, they're very dear to my wife and I. My wife sends her greetings, Millie. This year, we will be 25 years married, happily married. That's important. <laughs> She's telling me, I want to go to Italy. I want to go to Italy. I said, pray, woman, just pray. Got to do it. Got to do it. <laughs> But we're excited. The Lord has blessed us with two wonderful boys who look like their mother. I always say that. Uh, David is 15 years old. I'm going to share a little bit about David today. And Isaac is uh, just turned 14. And we live in Orlando, Florida. I've been there for since 99. I'm originally from New Jersey, born and raised in New Jersey from a Puerto Rican family. And the Lord has blessed us. When we started in New Jersey for 14 years of ministry, and then we went on to the city of Orlando. Sometimes God does some shifting in our lives, and we have to be obedient. And it's only then when we are obedient to what God has called us to do, will windows, will the windows of heaven and doors open. And you know, when a door is closed, knock on another door. When something doesn't work out for you and you know God has called you to do something and it does, just doesn't work in one place, that wasn't the, the, the or one area in your life, that wasn't the door, okay, well, don't give up. Go on to the next door because you have an assignment to fulfill. In saying that, if you would please go with me. I am not going to be traditional this morning and give you a traditional resurrection sermon. But I'm going to come from a different perspective on what Jesus, by dying on the cross and resurrecting on the third day, he completed his assignment so that we can complete ours. And that's important. Because we can't, you know I, know, I know folks will just live at the cross and never go beyond the cross. Jesus says, I am the door. And uh, what a door does, when you look at a door, it's just not to be there. The door, is, its purpose is for that we can go from one room to another or from one atmosphere to another. So the important thing is to, to walk through that door and see what's on the other side, see what's in that other room for our lives. But I want to read in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1, and I want to start at verse 29. Say with me, two days. Two days. 
Now, this passage that I'm, I'm going to read talks about two days. The first day starts in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus, this is from the NIV, coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remained on him. Say with me, John saw. Already two passages where John says, I saw or I see. And I myself did not know him, but that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. Now, this is important in verse 33. The grammar here lets us know that God spoke to John the Baptist beforehand about something that was going to happen in his lifetime or in his life. Something that he was going to experience. I'm going to read 33 again. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I have testified that this is God's chosen one. That happened on day number one. Day number two, a new day. How many here need a new day in their life? Verse 35, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. You go back to verse 29. John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God. And you go to verse, the last verse, verse 36, he says, look, the Lamb of God. He says it twice, but the difference of this expression are in the days. And let me explain myself. The first day, God revealed, God spoke to John the Baptist about something that was going to occur. But on the second day, that word or that vision or that experience that God told him that was going to happen on the second day or on that new day, it came to pass. It became a reality. And I want to share with you just for a few minutes on your vision will become a reality or your dream will become a reality. Back in the 1800s, to be exact, February 12th, 1809, this was in the time of slavery here in America. There was a young boy at the age of 12. He wasn't a slave, but he had compassion for the slaves, and he was talking to another child, and, and as he's talking, he felt this love and this compassion for him, and he says, you know what? He declared this. He says, one day. I'm going to become the president of the United States. At the age of 12, he said this. He says, and I'm going to free the slaves. Years went by, and history here in America tells us that that young boy became president of the United States. But he was assassinated by some fanatic racist. But before he was assassinated, he fulfilled the covenant that he made with that boy. He fulfilled the words that he expressed and believed and said, 
I will become president of the United States, and I will free the slaves. And before he was assassinated, he fulfilled that promise, and he freed the slaves here in America. And we know him as President Abraham Lincoln. A young boy in a class one day, his teacher tells him, I want you to, tell, she tells the children, let's, let's, everyone, let's draw a flower. And they all started drawing a flower. And she's walking around the classroom, and she saw this particular boy that he had an amazing talent to draw. And says, wow, look at this flower. It's amazing. You have an amazing talent to draw. But she noticed that the flower, the, the, that young child had put eyes and a nose and a mouth and, and, and legs and, and arms to, to his flower. And she says, son, the, 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 the flower is beautiful, but I have to correct you on something. Flowers don't have eyes or a nose or a mouth or arms or legs. And child looked at her and says, teacher, the flowers in my dream do. Next day, she says, today we're going to draw a tree. And everyone's drawing a tree. And she stands behind the same child. And she saw that he drew this beautiful tree. But she noticed that he put eyes, a nose, a mouth, arms, and legs. She says, son, the tree is beautiful, but trees don't have eyes or a nose or a mouth or arms or legs. She said, teacher, the trees in my dream do. Well, the story says that uh, this particular child won over 35 awards in that academy. Years later, he became a man, and he built what we know today as Walt Disney. The dreamers are few. When we are called of God, and listen to me, from every child that's sitting here today to every elderly person, we are all called of God. We all have a purpose. We all have a destiny in God to fulfill. And there, were th there, there will be things in our way that will try to stumble us, that will try to hinder us from fulfilling our purpose here on earth. Dr. Miles Monroe, who went home with the Lord, in one of his books, The Power of Vision, he wrote these words. He says, the poorest person in this world is a person without a vision, a person without a dream. He continues to write, the most frustrated person in the world is someone who has a dream or a vision but doesn't know how to bring it to pass. Vision is the key to life because where, there are, where there's a dream, there's hope. And where there's hope, there's faith. And faith is a substance or fulfillment of what we are hoping for. Listen to me. We all come from some dysfunctional family. There is not a perfect family. We all have some crazy cousin somewhere. <laughs> My family says I'm the crazy cousin. <laughs> but in that dysfunction, God is an expert in coming in and restoring and healing and forming and creating an amazing vessel to be able to change this world. Now, I grew up in a, in a home where there was a famous phrase, and it was, it can't be done. That came from my father. My father was constantly saying, it can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be. Very negative. And as I'm hearing this, every day I'm like, where did dad get this? He's always saying the same phrase. I mean, it's a, no, they're words, you know. But they had an impact in my life. And I said, why does he keep saying this? Until one day I heard my grandparents, his parents. 
with the same broken record. It can't be done. It can't be done. It, it's impossible. You know, my mother wanted to do something. Oh, that's hard. You know, I don't know where the money's going to come. But it can't be. And it constantly. And one day, I'm in my room. I don't know, about maybe 14 years of age, something like that. And I have this vision. God gives me this vision where I see myself in this coliseum. And there are thousands of people in this coliseum. And I saw myself on the stage. And I'm walking back and forth and I'm speaking. I'm speaking a word of faith. And, and in one part of this vision, I come down and I, I find someone who's sick. I lay my hands on them in the name of Jesus and they got healed. Went to the next one, they got healed. The next one, and it was one healing after another. And I woke up and the Lord spoke to me. He says, listen, this is for you. This is going to happen in your lifetime. Just wait on it. This will come to pass. What was the first thing that came to my mind? It can't be done. Why? Because I was already formed. That seed that my father had sown in my life was already bearing fruit to negative things. That when God said, I am going to do this, I'm talking about God Almighty, our Savior. Our Lord says, I'm going to do this with you. I said, that's impossible. Now, there are many ingredients to the development of our purpose here on earth or our vision or, or our dream. I'm just going to share three. I'm going to submit three. Number one, say with me language. Number two, say with me faith. Number three, say with me association. Now, language plays an important role. If you go with me to 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 17 in verse 1. I want to read the, 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 the last part of verse 1. This is Elijah speaking. He says, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. This man is saying there, it is not going to rain because I said it's not going to rain. How is it possible that a human being can say or tell the, 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 the clouds, stop the water? Do not, does he think he's God? Go on to verse 15 of the same chapter. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of the flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. Now here's the key. In keeping the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Listen, it was the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. The reason why Elijah can speak the way he did was because God had found a channel to be able to speak his word through. I'll put it in Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12 says that his word is active or quick or sharper than any two-edged or double-edged sword. Now, in the, in the uh, Greek, that two-edged is distomos. Distomos, this means two, and tomos means expression or language or two mouths. In other words, when it says two-edged or double-edged sword, it means one edge represents God's mouth, what he is expressing, what he has spoken. The other edge is our mouth, is our expression, What is our language. Now, we understand that his word does not return unto him void, but it can return unto us void because we don't believe it the way he believes it. 
So his edge is ready to cut, ready to fulfill its purpose. It's our edge that's not sharp enough. So it takes time. It takes days. It takes weeks. It takes months. It takes years. But we have to make a decision daily to, com- to believe because the order is believe in your heart. Paul said if a man believes in his heart and confess with his mouth. People are confessing and confessing but not believing with the heart. We have to believe it first. The word has to become flesh. It has to be alive within us first before we can confess so that when we can, can I preach here this morning, when we can confess it, then it will perform. So it's our edge. We have to. So my edge was, I can't, it can't be done. I don't believe it. It's impossible. So it took time. I had to get into the word. I'm still getting into the word. We never stop getting into the word. We have to continue to stay in the word. And we have to sharpen that. That's why Elijah can speak. Because his language was the kingdom language, was God's word. I've heard conversations of people who get into almost arguments of who's in worse condition. You ever heard, you ever hear two people conversation? How are you doing today? Oh, I got this migraine headache. And, uh, and the other one says, oh, that's nothing, man. That headache ain't nothing. Man, I got arthritis. <laughs> And the other one said, and he said, look, look at my fingers, you know, my knees. And, oh, the arthritis is nothing. I got three herniated discs. <laughs> look at me, look. I couldn't even get up this morning. And they go back and forth on who's in worse condition. You know, if the doctor tells me that I have a condition or, or I'm feeling certain symptoms, you know, I, I want to get near someone that when I tell them, you know, th- this is what, what happens, you know. The, here, here's, here's the word, we, we, you know, because we have all kind of flavors of news. You know, in the news, they're constantly telling us, hey, he, he's risen. <laughs> so, so we have all kind of, uh, of, of flavors of, of news, you know. And in the news, when you listen to the news, you hear a lot of negative things, you know, things that are their reality. We're living in some, some of it is, is, is exaggerated. You and I know that. But there are words that are thrown at us, you know, they're telling us about sickness and crime and all this stuff. And we're hearing this and we're absorbing this. And they're throwing the, the word and, what, and we catch it. And they, and they throw in that word, and we're catching. And then we go over to the next one. You, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Oh, my God. And we throw that word, and we keep throwing the word, and we keep pa- catching it and throwing it. When, when the word, a negative word is thrown at me, thrown at us, we are children of God, co-heirs with Christ. We have been washed in the blood of Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Ghost living within us. When somebody throws a negative word at us, what do we do? No, that's not me. I'm part of God's kingdom. I have a different language. I have a different kingdom. I don't live in that. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. And, the, and, and life and death are in the power of our tongue. So you enter into this complex. You know, when I, I have something, I want to get near someone that's going to say, okay. That's what the doctor says. This is what, that's what you're feeling. This is, this is the report. I, okay, but the final authority is God's word. When you have that language, when, once you confess and you believe and you confess in this language, then comes the second part, which is the step of faith. Now, that's uncomfortable. That's very uncomfortable because it's where God sometimes calls you to do things that seem impossible. I always say, if you can do it, then you don't need God. 
God is not going to tell you, okay, do this when he knows you can do it. Whatever you can do, you'll do. But he'll call you to do something that may seem impossible to the natural mind. That way we can depend on him and he receives the glory. So that step of faith is very uncomfortable. And I've had moments in my life, you know, when I first got called to ministry and, 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 and to the healing ministry, I was in Dominican Republic, and I remember praying for my first person. That it was an elderly lady with a cane, and I, 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 I always share this testimony because I was ready. I had read books. I had studied. I went and, and I, I saw evangelists who moved in these gifts. And I said, okay, I'm going to start praying for the sick. And when this lady came up, she says, well, you know, I had a surgery. My, I got this metal rod from my hip to my knee. My, my leg is stiff. It's impossible for me to bend it. I want to be able to bend it. Can you pray for me? That was my first person I was going to pray for. I'm like, God, why don't you start with a headache? <laughs> Baby steps. But God told me it's not. Your word, it's my word. Pray for her. So I prayed with her, I prayed for her with fear. But it's better to do it with fear than not do it at all. Because at least I'm confronting my fear and I'm, I'm battling it. I'm, 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 there's a war between him and I, but until I can get to where God has called me. And I prayed for him. When I finished praying, I remember I took the cane away from her. And I put the microphone. Go ahead, walk. <laughs> you know, this was my first, this was when I was starting out in ministry. And she, she kind of like turned around. She started walking, you know, taking steps. And she said, this was, she, she, was, she was confessing and walked. She says, by his stripes, I have been healed. And she took a step. By his stripes, I have been healed. And took another step. And I'm here. And every step she's taken towards, you know, let's say towards the north, Every step she took north, I took a step south. Now, I understand, this, this was a church that was gathering in a home. So the, I was close to the door because I said, this was, these were my thoughts. I'm starting out in ministry. I said, if she falls, I'm out of here. Nobody knows who I am. That's what I was thinking. But about the fourth or fifth step, I remember hearing that leg snap. I heard that. Clack and said, clack, and I closed my eyes. I said, oh, my Lord. I didn't even want to look. I said, Lord, what did you do here? <laughs> you came here, and I, I'm going to leave here embarrassed. And, I, and all of a sudden, I hear the people praising God. And when I hear them praising God, I'm like, I open my eyes. The leg that was stiff, she couldn't bend it. She was bending it, and God had healed her. God healed her. And I said, man, this works. <laughs> <laughs> the next day was a Monday. I went to another church, and there was a small church, fit about maybe 80 people. The church was so packed. There were people outside. And I told the pastor, man, I'm just starting out in ministry. You're a great promoter. Nobody knows me. He says, no, you remember the testimony of the elderly lady yesterday that got healed her leg? Well, they, are, they just spread throughout the city. Hey, there's a skinny guy. He's preaching, and God is healing the sick. He says, all that you're seeing there are sick people. So that, you know, that was, that was a challenge for me personally. So there I am. I start preaching. And when I finished preaching, I said, those who are sick, come. <laughs> and then I remember seeing this army coming at me. But the first person was a, was a lady. It was, it was a usher. It was a female usher. 
holding another female by the hand. I said, man, look at how the ushers work here. They're wonderful. Brought her by their hand right up to the front until she spoke to me. She says, uh, I had to bring her up because she's blind. She wants you to pray for her because she believes God can open her eyes right now. I'm still looking for the headache. <laughs> and I told God, I told God, I said, you know, yesterday it was this elderly lady with this rod in her leg and all this. And, and now a blind woman? What are you doing to me? Because it's one thing to confess, but the step of faith is uncomfortable. And God was saying, take the step of faith. It's not your word. It's my word. And there I took the step of faith. And I prayed for her with fear. And I prayed, I laid my hands on her eyes, and I, I prayed, and I, when I finished the prayer, I put the mic down. I said, oh, what do you see? <laughs> and she's struggling. I, I remember she's, like, struggling, look, trying to look, and, and, and she goes, well, I was blind. I couldn't see nothing, but now I see your shadow. So I remember an occasion where Jesus prayed for one man twice. So I said, close your eyes, and now, now I'm feeling something is happening. I laid my hands on her. Man, I thought I was Benny Hinn. <laughs> and I prayed for her in the name of Jesus, and I said, open your eyes. And when she opened her eyes, she says, oh, wow, you're so good looking. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. <laughs> oh, I got to encourage myself in the Lord. <laughs> See what happens when my wife doesn't come with me? <laughs> She says, I can see. She started screaming, I can see. She grabbed the usher by the hand. She grabbed me by the jacket. I don't weigh too much. So she's like, I can see. She's moving me all around. She turned around. She started screaming her testimony, saying, God, open my eyes. And this is what I saw. As soon as she started to say her testimony, people in the church and outside on the street started to fall. I had never seen this. I just falling. And each one started to receive a miracle, a miracle, a miracle, a miracle. And I started to see the vision that God had shown me unfold before my eyes. One day God will show you or he has shown you already what he's going to do in your life. But that day, and I'm going to believe with you that today is that day that you enter into the reality of what God has called you or God has revealed to you. I'm about to finish. It is important that we associate ourselves with people that are going to contribute to the development of our calling or our purpose. Can't be hanging out with just anyone. You know, you... Some relationships, you just, uh, you know, I, there's been relationships in my life where I just have to just cut off. It's not that I'm better than them or they're better than me. You, you just not, you know, there's relationship, good men of God that I no longer are in relationship with them. It's because I'm not in their chapter of their life that they're living and they're not in this chapter of my life. But there are those that you have to say, wait, uh, you just. You're just taking too much energy from me and just like cut it. Because it is important that we associate ourselves with the right people. Very important. Because what's ahead is going to be challenging. God will take you from glory to glory, from one level to another level. <laughs> one preacher says, you know, where there's a new level, there's a new devil. <laughs> And you got to have the right people around you. You know, I 
I can share so many testimonies with you. The Lord has allowed me to, to, to function as an evangelist for over 30 years, just traveling through the United States and to other countries and just sharing the gospel. Just when you think you have it, it's like something else different. It's like you, you, you get a curveball thrown at you. That happened to us because, and I'm going to say this quickly. I'm going to give you the, not the detail, I'm going to give you the cliff notes of this testimony. My son, when he was six years old, fell off a swing and dislocated his, his arm at the elbow and pinched his artery. They had to bring a surgeon to, to be able to, they tried to straighten out his arm, but because his artery was pinched, it's what they call compartment syndrome. The, 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 the surgeon says, listen, I'm going to try and save your son's arm. We're going to take him to surgery. We have to open that arm up and, and try to save the arm. If not, we're going to have to amputate that arm while we're in surgery. So you don't know if, you know, I can't tell you what's going to happen. So we're praying, and we're praying, and we're praying. And they opened my son's arm completely. And it was a total of uh, five days. When he came out, he says, we were able to release the pressure. And th but they opened the arm completely. So for five days, he had his arm open. They had this synthetic skin on it. You could just see his arm. And every day they were changing. Six years old, and you, you know, when it hits your child, it, it, it's something, you know, when, when you get attacked where... The enemy knows how to attack you, right, with where, he, where he knows it's going to hurt you. And even in that pain, I, I got to still believe. I remember my son, he's like this. He says, Dad, pray for me so God can heal me because he knew that Daddy goes around the world praying for the sick and they get healed. So he's like, pray for my arm so we can go home. That's exactly what he said. And my youngest one, Isaac, is pulling my shirt. He's like, yeah, come on, pray, pray so we can go home. <laughs> that was their faith. That's the kind of faith we need. Faith of a child. And daddy was having a struggle. Do you remember that story where Jesus tells Peter? And I'm going to paraphrase. He says, you're going to doubt. You're going to fall. But I have prayed that your faith would not fail when that time comes. That was, I was living that. And God, it's like I could hear Jesus at the right hand of the Father praying to the Father. Don't let Oscar doubt. Let him continue to believe. Let him continue to believe in my word. A total of nine days in the hospital with his arm open. They sealed him back up and doctors said it will take about two years for him to have total movement normally again. Three months later, my son was on a pitcher's mound, pitching with that arm. That's the power of God. Look at your neighbor and tell him, your vision will become a reality. That same son, David, now he's 15 years old. In July, took him to a routine dental checkup. And the dentist says, something's not right here. The roof of his mouth, it was, half of it was soft. And the primary doctor came also and 
says, take him to the emergency room. When they took him to the emergency room, they did the CT scan. They found a tumor. And the tumor was eating his bones. And the doctor says, it's cancer. And the ENT surgeon says, we're going to go and do a biopsy. They went through the whole procedure, and they did six biopsies. The procedure was going to take 20 minutes, took six hours. We were six hours interceding in that hospital praying. The doctor kept coming in and out, in and out. And then, you know, I kind of put the evangelist side to the side, and I, I, I went into my father mode, and I told the doctor, I told the surgeon, listen, if you don't know what you're doing, get out of there, and we'll put someone who knows what he's doing. You told me it was 20 minutes, and now it's going on f the fifth hour. He said, no, we got this in, but it's cancer. We know we got it. He was like the devil in the flesh. He kept saying, this is cancer, this is cancer, this is. And I'm like, I'm like listen, my wife is a mess. Millie was, Millie was a mess. And then the surgeon that was going to put in a port, they were ready to do, put in the port so they can start chemo. The surgeon that was going to put in the port, he sits down in a room with us. He says, listen, I'm going to go against all these doctors and against all these nurses. I am not putting a port in your son. There is no confirmation that there is cancer. I know there's, a, there's something in there. It's eating his bone. It's a tumor. But I'm not doing it. And he gets up and he says, and I want to tell you this, prayer works. And leaves the room. We prayed. Every tissue, six tissues came back non-cancerous. It was, it was, it's a tumor, but it was benign. <laughs> so now, now this other surgeon says we're going to have to remove it. And it was a really uh, serious operation. It's going to change my son's life. Talking about going in and reconstruction. And I have a cousin who's a vascular surgeon. He says, listen, go to this doctor. We went. And this is what happened. He says, your son is 15. The natural thing is that tumor will continue to grow. That's the natural because he's still growing. But I want to see if it's growing. And they did another test on him. So we postponed the surgery. The day he was going to have the surgery, we did another test. And when we got the results, we came in. My son had come in in his soccer uniform. He was going to a soccer game. And the doctor says, listen, I have some great news. He looked at my son's, you know, he was in his room. He said, you're going to have a great game today. I said, what happened, doctor? My wife and I, he says, well, I don't know what these other people said. I know that I, I looked at the old test and we saw the tumor, but now when we did the new one, it's gone. <laughs> not only that, not only is it gone, not only is it gone, but the bone is intact. The teeth are fine. All the sinus area is clear. I don't understand what he, he says, two things happened. Either it was a miracle or when they went in, it just drained out. I said, either way, doctor, it was a miracle. That's the power of God. I'm not telling you. It's good. Jesus said in the world, we will have afflictions. We're going to go through things. But always have the language of God's kingdom. Take the step of faith, whatever it is, and associate yourself with the right people. How many say amen? Let's bow our heads.